In preparation for the preaching of the word this morning, if you could uh, turn with me in your Bibles, uh, firstly to Luke chapter 11, and we'll read the verses 27 to 32. Luke chapter 11. He said these things. A woman in the crowd raised her voice and said to him, Blessed is the womb that bore you and the breasts at which you nursed. But he said, Blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and keep it. When the crowds were increasing, he began to say, This generation is an evil generation. It seeks for a sign, but no sign will be given to it except the sign of Jonah. For as Jonah became a sign to the people of Nineveh, so will the Son of Man be to this generation. The Queen of the South will rise up at the judgment with the men of this generation and condemn them. For she came from the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon, and behold, something greater than Solomon is here. The men of Nineveh will rise up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it. For they repented at the preaching of Jonah, and behold, something greater than Jonah is here. If you turn with me now to uh, the book of Jonah, and we'll read together chapter 3. It's in the Minor Prophets. Before Micah. This chapter is entitled Jonah Goes to Nineveh. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it the message that I tell you. So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, three days' journey in breadth. Jonah began to go into the city, going a day's journey, and he called out, Yet forty days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. And the people of Nineveh believed God. They called for a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest of them to the least of them. The word reached the king of Nineveh, and he arose from his throne, removed his robe, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat in ashes. And he issued a proclamation and published through Nineveh. By the decree of the king and his nobles, let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock, taste anything. Let them not feed or drink water, but let men and beasts be covered with sackcloth, and let them call out mightily to God. Let everyone turn from his evil way and from the violence that is in his hands. Who knows? God may relent and turn from his fierce anger so that we may not perish. When God saw what they did, how they turned from their evil way, God relented of the disaster that he had said he would do to them. And he did not do it. 
So far, the reading of God's word. Let's ask the Lord's blessing on his word as we hear it this morning. Let's pray together. Our Heavenly Father, give us open and receptive hearts. By the work of your Spirit, imprint and impress this word upon us, that as it calls us to repentance and faith, to turn from our evil ways and to walk in obedience with you, that we would not make excuses, we would not turn from what you call us to, but that we may hear and live and serve you. Bless us with the presence of your Spirit. To that end, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Beloved congregation of the Lord Jesus Christ, the story of Jonah is one that should captivate our hearts. It's an amazing story. It's a true story. It's the inspired story. It's been given to us by the Spirit of God. It's one of those stories that we should talk about with our children again and again. And Sometimes when we talk about this with our children, what we're tempted to relate is, is just the facts. And we need to recognize that God is working here. God is working his salvation. We remember that's the theme of this book. It's found in chapter 2, verse 9. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Salvation belongs to the Lord as his to administer his way and accomplishing his purpose. Jonah was a prophet. A prophet who was commissioned to proclaim this word, and he did so in Israel. He, he did so very successfully in Israel, and Israel listened to him for a time, though their hearts were still hard. But then God gave Jonah this mission to go to Nineveh, which he found rather upsetting. And so he balked, and in disobedience, when God called him to go up to Nineveh, he went down, down to Joppa, down into the hold of the ship, and he still did not escape God. He went down into the the belly of the great fish, and then down into the bottom of the sea. God dealt with him and brought him down to the depths to realize in repentance. And we heard that beautiful song, uh, scripture in chapter 2, the, the, the poem that Jonah uh, inscribed and recognized his sin and his misery. And here's where the story gets interesting, as if it wasn't interesting already. And sometimes I think we, we skim over these last two chapters because the great fish is such an amazing event. And so often this is missed as well. The glory of God's redemption means that God gives Jonah a second chance. Isn't that remarkable? Not only did, did God preserve Jonah, not only did he save him from certain death because of his disobedience, but he gave him a second chance. A second chance. No matter how much he'd messed up, no matter how alienated he was from God, God gives him a second chance. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time. Isn't that refreshing? Isn't that amazing? God gives you another chance to serve him. 
God calls us again and again to recognize our sin. But he said, in that sin, turn to my grace. He, he brings redemption through Jesus Christ so that there will be restoration and we all have a second chance, a calling again to commit our way to the Lord and to, to follow in that way that is right and true and holy. God's redemptive way of, of making uh, uh, his redemption stick in our souls and affect our lives. It's through a, a faith and repentance that, that Jonah expresses in his prayer in that beautiful poem as he, he turns to God in worship to enable him and equip him for faith, repentance, and obedience. It unfolds that God's word comes to him a second time and God says to him, Arise, go to Nineveh. And now there's no hesitation. There's no reservation. There's no going the opposite way. Verse 3, Jonah arose and went. Faith and repentance lead to obedience. And this is the sign of Jonah. And notice what we read in Luke 11, uh, verse 27 through 32. And I, I'd like to, for you to think particularly about what God is saying there. It, it's a repetition of what we read in Matthew last week, but it has a uniqueness here in, in Luke 11 that is recorded for us. Let me just find that a moment. Luke 11. And here, as Jesus is, is rebuking the generation for, the evil generation for seeking a sign, it says here that Jonah became a sign to the people of Nineveh. That's what we're referring about the sign of Jonah. Jonah became a sign. He became a picture. He became a display of something to the people of Nineveh. And, th and that's what we're considering from Jonah 3 this morning. This sign that God gave to Nineveh through Jonah. So we'll see that in three ways. First of all, that, that Jonah is recommissioned. We've touched on that already, a, a recommissioning of grace. Secondly, Nineveh is called. And thirdly, Nineveh is converted. Jonah recommissioned, Nineveh called, Nineveh converted. And Jonah's recommission. God had administered his grace that Jonah now has a second chance. When God delivers us, he doesn't let us off the hook and say, Oh, I see you don't want to do this. Okay. No. He says to Jonah, Jonah, you need to go to Nineveh. Jonah, that first calling that I have given to you still stands. Jonah is not decommissioned. He's not taken out of service because of his disobedience. Instead, God in his grace recommissions him. There is grace to be celebrated for sure in Jonah's deliverance. He's saved from death and brought to life, vomited out onto the shores of the Mediterranean, not for a holiday basking there in the sun. And I don't know if you're like me, but as a kid, when I thought about this, I thought Jonah was vomited up and he was landing in Nineveh. That wasn't the case. He was on the Mediterranean Sea. Nineveh is a long ways away from the Mediterranean Sea. 
He would have been vomited up and placed on the shores of the Mediterranean Sea and had to do the same thing he was called to do before, and that was to pick himself up and to get transportation, to get over to Nineveh. He had every excuse to stay on the sands of the Mediterranean Sea and enjoy a holiday there, but God had recommissioned him with his word. Again, that word is powerful and effective. It's working. It's accomplishing God's purpose. And the very same task that he sought to escape, he now recognized that because of the deliverance of the Lord, with this powerful demonstration of grace, he's prepared for service. And God's word comes to him again, just as it does to you and me. When grace delivers us from sin, it's not so that we can just simply bask in the wonder that we've been saved, that we have an eternal inheritance in heaven, that we're set for an eternal paradise of pleasure. When we've been saved by grace, it's so that we would be enabled and equipped to serve God according to his word. A disobedient prophet is brought by grace. By grace. By God's invasion in his life in bringing him down and in bringing him up. By that grace, he's equipped and prepared for service to obey the word of the Lord. God didn't set in place more rules. Jonah, uh, avoid the ships of Joppa. Jonah, avoid the sea. Jonah, secure transportation. He gave him his grace and said, Now, serve me. And not only does Jonah go by the word, with the word equipping him and calling him to the service, he goes with the word. Jonah, here's the message I want you to to proclaim. God had said this earlier, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for the evil has come up before me. Now he has even a more particular message. And he says, Tell them, yet forty days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. The judgment is certain. It is coming. You know, people of God, God's word works the same way today. It is God's word. It's not man's word. It's God's word. It's the work of the Holy Spirit that uses this word. And this is part of the sign of Jonah, that grace is administered so that we can be recommissioned. And I think that's the beauty of having the law read. We, we hear again how far short we've fallen, but yet it's a guide for gratitude. And it teaches us, okay, this is, this is where we've fallen, but that doesn't mean, oh, we just give up. No, we, we hear God's grace and we're reminded we're called again to go in service of God, to, to forget what lies behind, as Paul says, and to press on towards what, uh, toward what is ahead of us. That is part of the sign of Jonah. Grace is administered so that we can be recommissioned, called back, not only to see our salvation, but to call back to our service of God. This is what Jesus talked about. This is why we read those, those preceding verses. Blessed are those, Jesus says, greatness is not those, the, the woman or Mary who's, who's given birth and, and nursed Jesus. Jesus says, blessed are those actually 
who hear the word of God and observe it. Now Mary has a blessed place. She is the one through whom Jesus Christ was incarnate. Do you hear what Jesus is saying? More blessed than being Mary. And we don't worship Mary, but we recognize the place that she has in the work of redemption. How marvelously God worked with this woman to bring her son by the power of the Holy Spirit. And Jesus is more blessed than her. As those who hear the word and observe it. For those who recognize the grace and are recommissioned for service and called back to God. That's the sign of Jonah. That's the perversity of asking a sign from Jesus. Jesus, give us one more sign and we'll believe it. No, we've received what we need in God's word. So Jonah's recommissioned. That grace of God that, that recommissions Jonah recommissions us as his people as well. To walk and to serve and to observe his word. And so Jonah goes on his way. And secondly, we hear that Nineveh is called. What a great city it was. It was three days journey. It's a huge city uh, in that day. And as soon as Jonah arrives, even a day into this journey across the city, he's crying out against them. Yet 40 days and Nineveh will be overthrown. Now talk about uh, what seems to be an endeavor of futility. All it is is announcing judgment. These are wicked, perverse people. They're not covenant people. They're, they don't have the promises. They don't have the knowledge of God. They don't have God's word. In fact, they're hostile to God's word. And they're hostile to anyone who resists them. And Jonah puts his life on the line as he goes into the city and says, yet 40 days and Nineveh will be overthrown. This is an up and coming world power. And it's not just these words. His, his whole testimony would have been an explanation. God's word summarizes this. This is part for the whole. And it shows us this whole message of grace that, that Jonah is called to, to present. And essentially it's a call to repentance. It's a call for the people of Nineveh to humble themselves before the true and the living God because he's not just the God of Israel. He's the God of the universe. He's the God of the Assyrians who will hold them to account. This proud and ferocious people are summoned by the word of God to humble themselves before him. And this call comes with clarity and with urgency. So what we see about the work of Jonah, he didn't delay. On the first day he starts and he didn't soft pedal the call. Comes with clarity, yet 40 days. And you will be called to account. You will be overthrown. Nineveh shall be destroyed. There was a mark of certain judgment that was coming from the Lord. What can we learn from this? What is God's word teaching us here? What is this lesson that we need to impress upon the hearts of our children when we, we read accounts like this where God is threatening certain and severe judgment? Here I think we need to recognize that, that not only is the focus on the message, the message, yet 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown, 
Jonah's faithful to that message. He makes known that message. But also, we need to recognize the method. This instrument, this, this means that God is using. The presence of Jonah to Nineveh, the arrival and his commission and his work is a display of grace to a city that is destined for destruction. It's a sign, Jesus says. Jonah became a sign to Nineveh. Jonah was a walking, talking sermon. His testimony and his presence in Nineveh indicated that you can't ignore God and survive. You can't. No matter how hard you try, no matter how much you might think you have the power to endure, you can't ignore God and survive. Jonah had learned that. Jonah having been in the belly of the fish, who knows what that would have done to him as he comes out and he tells them, you know, I got here this extraordinary way by, by fleeing from God and God bestowing his judgment upon me and bringing me down into the depths and now recommissioning me. I've come here to show you, to be that display to you that you can't ignore God and survive. Young people, hear me clearly. You can't ignore God and survive. It's death to ignore him. It's death to despise his call. Today is the day of salvation. If you have been ignoring God, if you've been putting him on the shelf, if you've been putting him off and saying, well, it's for another day, now is the time to repent. And this is a sign for us. This needs to embolden our faithfulness as the church of Jesus Christ in displaying God's word in our message and in our lifestyles. It's a powerful instrument in the hands of the Lord against the most ferocious enemy that can be used by him because this is how he works. This is his method. Or wouldn't we say to Jonah, Jonah, give it up. There's no hope for these people. But that would be to ignore the character of the God of Scripture. And from this call, 40 days, and you shall be overthrown, God works miraculously. And thirdly, Nineveh is converted. Who would have expected? They listened and they repented. They believe God. They believe what God can do. They believe the God who has sent this prophet to them. They believe God's word. And they respond with repentance, clothing themselves with sackcloth and ashes, humbling themselves as a public display of humility, recognizing their guilt and their sin, but also turning, turning each of them from his wicked way. It's a graphic description of, of repentance, isn't it? It's, it's humbling ourselves and saying, we've offended. We deserve your wrath. We deserve your judgment. And then abandoning 
the wicked way that has put us in that place. From the greatest to the least of them, their hearts were convicted. And this isn't the work of Jonah. This is the work of the Holy Spirit. We're dead to this reality. We're dead to this call unless the Holy Spirit comes and calls us and brings us back to himself. And they're convicted and the Holy Spirit is powerfully working. And they will do this. They will do this. And it's no, notice, it's not for self-preservation. They will do it because this is right and pleasing in the eyes of the Lord. What we read in verse 9, who knows? God may turn and relent. They recognize. This is not a, a wishful thinking. Well, well, let's hope this gets us over the line and, and it can save us. That's not the character of grace. That's not the character of godly repentance that God holds out before us. It's a recognition. We don't deserve this. But we're going to do this because God deserves this. We don't deserve to be set free from the punishment. We deserve more than God is going to administer to us. But who knows? As he sent us this prophet of grace, as he's made known his word to us, God may turn and relent. We don't deserve that. We don't expect that. We don't demand that. God would not be unjust if he would destroy us. That's the character of biblical conviction. That's the character of when the Spirit is working in our souls. How we look to God and we say, I am unworthy. We plead and we pray and we long for your mercy. And again, it shows a, a spiritual maturity, a well-developed conception of God's willingness to deal graciously with sinners. Where would they get this? How would they understand this? In the message, to be sure. But Jesus gives us another clue. It's in the prophet, in the method that God sent this prophet Jonah. Jonah became a sign to them. A sign that those who ignore God, those who, who try to evade His judgment, can't do that. But they can be restored. His presence was the first-hand testimony of how kind and compassionate God is toward those who are under His condemnation. That in repentance and faith and pleas for mercy, there is a God who is kind. Salvation belongs to the Lord and He has promised in His grace and mercy to bestow that freely and without hindrance. His word Emboldened faithfulness shows the restorative power of God and His grace. <coughs> oh, the wonder of who our God is. Oh, the wonder of His compassion and kindness displayed in this book. Displayed in, in the, the life and the method and the message of Jonah. But Jesus says, there's something greater than Jonah here. Now, something greater. Sometimes we hear that someone greater. And to be sure, Jesus is talking about himself. He is greater than Jonah. But notice he says something, not someone. Something greater than Jonah is here. That greater sign that greater reality is the certainty of what Jesus has done. 
his death and his resurrection. More powerfully unfold and present to us God's condemnation of sin. That God is so justly angry against sin that it must be condemned with infinite punishment. Something greater than Jonah. A greater judgment has come in Jesus Christ. But also in redemption and in his resurrection, a sign which shows us more certainly the restorative power of God, that he can bring salvation, that he, his method is a method of grace. And as this is something greater than Jonah, imagine that. Imagine I came to you this morning having been vomited out by a whale and came and said, repent. I don't need to do something greater than Jonah. Christ has done that. And he says to you this morning, it's a greater summons to live in faith and repentance before God and a greater calling to be the sign of this grace and of this judgment to the world. In the church, now we can't pretend sin doesn't matter. Ignoring God can perpetuate itself among us. In the family, That we need to recognize who our God is and we need to give ourselves to him. But we need to trust as well that his grace restores us. No matter how frequently we fail, God's word comes to us again and again and recommissions and sends us out in service. This is a sign for Nineveh. This is a sign for Israel. Israel lost the plot. This is God's word to his covenant people. Even a pagan nation like Nineveh and a pagan people have a greater awareness of grace than God's own people. Church of God, wake up. Hear the summons. Repent and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. Salvation is of the Lord, belongs to the Lord. And here, consider his method. God plans his process. To use the word this morning for us to reckon with where we're at in walking with God. This is why this book needs to be taught to our children. Maybe you've lost the way God says come back. He's the God of second chances. Who in his grace recommissions us. May we flagged in our service. God says, come back. Give yourself to me. Listen to my word and go forth. And, and maybe we're frustrated because this endeavor seems so futile. Is anyone ever going to repent at this menial message, 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown? It's not by our might. It's not by our power. The church seems so weak and hindered and hampered by all that's going on in the world. What hope do we have? It's not by might nor by power but by my spirit, says the Lord. May God help us to see our need of this call, of this conversion, of this commission to be the sign of Christ, of Christ. Now not Jonah, but Christ.
to each other, our children, our parents, our community. Because that pleases God. Amen.